Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to post-game number two of Boiler Up Down South. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, the Boilermakers just went into Blacksburg, Virginia. And despite a five and a half, six hour weather delay, just uh, beat the Hokies. You want to talk about it, Drew? Yeah, man. Big game, weird game, took forever, ran out of snacks, but uh, good outcome in the end uh, for the uh, Boilermakers after uh, you know dropping their first game uh, to Fresno State. They go on the road and pick up a big win to uh, go one and one on the year. So um, I saw it as a must-win game for any sort of postseason uh, hopes, and uh, there you go. They won it. So everything's still on the table for Purdue. 
Yeah, no, if you had told me that game at uh, Virginia Tech was going to go into dark hours, I would have figured a night game at uh, Virginia Tech would not end very well, but um, the weather had other plans. Yeah, no, it's tough to go into Lane Stadium at night, especially when you start uh, the game at noon. Luckily, uh, the five-and-a-half-hour, six-hour delay cleared a bit of the uh, normally raucous, uh, which was also a sellout Virginia Tech crowd. Uh, they were probably at a bar somewhere watching the end of that or home in bed. Um, yeah, no, a lot of people probably left a little bit early. Uh, Drew and I were actually able to watch this game in the same room at the same time. And uh, despite the weather delay, we, we waited all that time. But uh, we were watching it, and like as soon as the game restarted, like it looked, it looked dead, man. Like there was nobody in Lane Stadium, like at all. And so we were kind of concerned, like, oh man, like first quarter we had all this momentum, we're up seven to nothing, and oh the weather delay is gonna screw us over. And it seemed like the weather delay ended up actually kind of helping Purdue out a little bit because nobody was there once that game restarted. Yeah, that game would have got loud in the fourth quarter with the tide, um, with the, the normal uh, Blacksburg crowd there. But, you know, um, I'm sure they had an opportunity to return. Um, anyway, Garrett, let's get into uh, some of the uh, details here. Uh, let's talk about the defense first because, man, they had a... Uh, a bounce-back game in a lot of uh, respects from the uh, first game against Fresno. Yeah, I mean, um, like, I, like I've been saying like all offseason, is that if there's one unit that Purdue has that looks like world beaters, it's the defensive line. And, and they just contained so well and put so much edge rush pressure on the quarterback um, throughout the game. And I mean... You know, middle linebackers, uh, everything over the center was pretty well contained. Um, the secondary, specifically Cam Allen, continued to struggle just in small ways. But, I mean, in the second half, you know, Virginia Tech didn't score a single point. And you can't be mad at a, a defense that doesn't allow a single point in a given half. Yeah, and um, just a uh, record was set yesterday, apparently, or Apparently, by the uh, Boilermakers, uh, the fewest rushing yards allowed in a road game in Purdue history, uh, they gave up 11 yards to Tech. Especially for a game with, like, a wet field and, like, rain is still drizzling, you would think it would become, like, more of a run-based game. And the fact that 11 yards, you said? 11? Jeez. Uh, yeah. That's that's impressive for a game that you would think would become more possession-based and safe runs and draws up the middle, stuff like that. Yeah. Now, I will say Purdue did uh, get uh, bailed out a little bit by uh, the injury bug hitting Virginia Tech's uh, wide receiver group. Um, they lost their uh, star receiver, uh, Allie Jennings, in the first quarter before the uh, delay um, to what looked like a bad ankle injury. Um and so it looks like he might be on for a while. And then when they came back, uh, their uh, slot receiver, uh, Jalen Lane, who was torching uh, Purdue uh, for the most part, much like uh, Fresno's slot receiver torched Purdue, he went down with uh, an, a leg injury and was out for the fourth quarter. And uh, quarterback Grant Wells um, was limping around uh, pretty much after... The uh, late hit on Dylan uh, Thinman, uh, it was a bad call, but Wells got hurt. Uh, it looked like he hyperextended his knee and was limping the rest of the game. 
Um, so the uh, the injuries uh, worked out for Purdue, uh, along with uh, the really improved defense. Yeah, so the thing that really impressed me about um, Purdue's defensive front especially wasn't just that they were containing so well. It was that, you know, last week I was kind of complaining that, oh, man, against Fresno State we didn't even run 70 plays, and they forced the same thing against Virginia Tech this week. I mean, Virginia Tech ran, what, 62? Yeah, 62 plays. And they were 2 for 12 on third down. I mean, like, you can't really ask much more of that, and especially with that second half of, of zero total points scored after the rain delay came back and, you know, it went from 17 nothing or 17-7 to, to 17-17 real quick. And, you know, all Purdue needed was that one single touchdown if your defense is going to be that solid. And hopefully that's what we can see going forward where, you know, if, if you can say, hey, if Purdue wins this game, all they need to do is score 24 points because our defense can hold them under 20. Like, that's perfectly fine. But I think that's where Walters really wants this team is like not relying on your offense because you're going to be so stout of a defense. I mean, it's it's how you see most teams who, you know, I know this is a lofty goal, but win a national championship. You know, it's like, if, hey, if you can score 24 points and you can hold the other team under 20, if my math is correct, that means you win the football game. That does sound correct, Garrett. I don't, I, the math department at the University of Georgia succeeds again. Um, so, uh, we yeah. took statistics. Can it, <laughs> is it obvious? So, yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and switch over to the offense. Uh, we got some things to say about that, and then we'll uh, sort of maybe talk about our players of the game and uh, take this thing home. Um, so, uh, first game, uh, first game, we're going to wrap, wrap up the jitters for uh, Hudson Card. He didn't look great against Fresno, but he looked much better against uh, Virginia Tech. Um, what I saw out of him... Uh, this weekend is sort of what I saw on the, the Texas film. And uh, so he was in control of the uh, game. Um, went 23 for 34, 248 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, but then he did get into the end zone for that final touchdown uh, on just a nice QB uh, draw or sweep, actually, which we'll sort of talk about. He was a little more uh, mobile, active. 12 carries, 16 yards, and that takes into consideration sacks. So um, did a little bit more on the ground uh, on his legs. I really like to see um, him do his scramble. I think that's his elite skills, delivering pinpoint passes on the run. Um, I feel like that was really where he uh, excelled and uh, played much better than he did against Fresno, sort of outside the pocket, improvising, or even uh, when Graham Harrell would just move the pocket and get him on that run a little bit. Still look good inside, um, but I really like to see him uh, use that athletic ability and uh, put the defense in a bind when he gets out on the corner and make them make some hard choices about uh, coming up and stopping the run or uh, staying with the uh, pass because he's got a quick release and he uh, he does that little sidearm three quarter thing, just snaps it out there uh, when he's uh, on the move. Um, so I thought Card much better. That's what I was expecting. Uh, from the get-go, so um, I'm really pleased with that. Uh, I think that'll really even continue to improve moving forward. Um, the run game also, uh, Devin Maccabee, again, I thought he was sort of average in the first game, definitely wasn't uh, up to his standard, fumbled early in the game, 
today, no fumbles despite the uh, the wet weather. Uh, 21 carries, 95 yards. That does again take into consideration a couple uh, losses. So he broke 100 yards, and then he lost a couple yards back. Um, Average four and a half a carry. Had a touchdown. Uh, really broke off a nice 15-yard touchdown run. Um, and you know Purdue's going to struggle in uh, short distances still. Uh, sometimes maybe it's just best to get into the end zone uh, when just avoid that altogether. Um, so I thought much better job by Maccabi. Um Broke some tackles. Um, Purdue went to more of these uh, sort of delayed runs where they would sort of usher the tackle off the field and then sort of stick it in Maccabee's gut and let him run uh, outside uh, zone. Um, it was a new sort of interesting wrinkle to blocking scheme. I'm going to have an article out in Hammer and Rails um, a little later in the week looking at that because um, I thought it was a real nice adjustment uh, from last week. Um, yes, Gary? Yeah, like one of the one of the things I liked about Maccabee's um, designed runs that they, you know, that Harold dialed up for him was that um, a lot of those plays were designed to where, you know, he just has to make one guy miss, and I had talked all this week about Virginia Tech has trouble tackling. Um, so, you know, he just had to make one guy miss, and then everything on top of that is gravy. It's the cherry on top. That sounds like a terrible flavor combination. <laughs> Ignore that part. Gravy and cherry, baby. Oh, yeah, man. That's what we do here down south is we eat gravy and cherries. Gravy on everything. But, uh, no, I mean, there were so many plays where it was just like, hey, Mockaby, if you can be slippery enough to make one guy miss and get, like, four yards, anything after that, brilliant. We're set up perfectly. And as Drew was saying with um, Graham, or sorry, not Graham Harrell, geez, uh, with Hudson Card uh, looking more like we expected him to play style-wise um, going into the year, there was one play, I believe, on one of the first two drives, I believe it was a scoring drive when it was 7 to nothing where I even noted to Drew where I was like, man, he's a right-handed guy who's rolling out to the left, extending the play, and the throw wasn't pretty, but it still got to his receiver and picks up a first down on third, and I think it was like five or six. Um, And that's what you want to see out of that sort of quarterback, right? Is like a dude who, even when it's gross weather, even if it's not a pretty throw, he gets it to the guy who needs to get to the yellow line that you see on TV. That's really all that it boils down to. Definitely, yeah. No, we need Hudson Carr to be a playmaker and do some stuff outside of the normal constraints of the offense. And, uh, again, I, that's what I saw uh, where he was at his best, um, either design rollouts or uh, just scrambles. Um, and he did pick up first downs with his legs. He's a big dude. Um, that, uh, and he was going to run over anybody in his way on that uh, QB sweep to the end zone. Um, so, like, like you said, Card much better. The receivers much better, I felt as well. Um, and uh, despite Dion Burks only having one reception for 18 yards, and uh, I'll maybe talk about that a little bit, uh, but uh, Max Clare, the freshman tight end, uh, we got to see Garrett Miller for a little bit. Yeah, he, Garrett Miller sighting. Yeah, he. The uh, more important Purdue Garrett. The, the more important Purdue Garrett. It's okay, Garrett. Everybody, every Garrett's important. Um, yeah, Garrett Miller played the, uh, before the rain uh, delay. I'm going to guess the coaching staff just didn't want to warm him back up uh, after that long delay. Um, he looked still just a little gimpy to me um, on that knee. 
uh, which is concerning going forward. Uh, but um, apparently the depth chart uh, um, is out or is going to be coming out, and uh, I think he's expected to be uh, the starter next week. Uh, so we'll see. But his uh, protege, Max Player, eight receptions, led Purdue with uh, eight receptions, and led Purdue with 64 yards. Um, he was a real nice uh, outlet four card when he was sort of breaking contain and getting outside the pocket um, and he was finding that tight end uh, a little bit uh, sort of uh, as a escape valve and uh, that's really what um, Claire can bring to that. He's a solid receiver, he's a good athlete, um, you have a 27 yard reception um, so great job uh, by the freshman there. Um, I thought TJ Sheffield looked better uh, had a long play, 36 yards, played a little more physical than he did against Fresno. Yeah, Look, he had more yards after the catch than, you know, falling forward after the catch. Yeah, yeah. No, he looked he looked more in tune with Card. Uh, and Abdur Rahim uh, Yassin came through. Nice 27-yard reception as well. Average 14-and-a-half uh, catch, uh, four receptions, 58 yards. And that's what we're going to need from those guys. They don't have to necessarily put up a lot of catches but they need some explosive plays uh out of those those two guys especially um if the defense like Virginia Tech did really focused on uh shutting Dion Burks down now I said I'd talk about Burks in a minute I still I think Dion Burks is a very talented player I don't think he's a number one receiver and I think if he starts getting number one receiver treatment by the other team uh it is gonna limit him um, he's just not that guy who's going to be able to sort of make the contested catch on the outside. Um, he's going to be, uh, he's, he needs some space. He's more of a run after the catch guy. I mean, he's now Steve Smith, and that's about the same size it is, right? If you're going to be a, a number one receiver uh, at Dion Burke's size, you need to be Steve Smith from the uh, you know Carolina Panthers. Old, old Panthers days, yeah. Yeah, uh, and he's not that player, so, um, you know, going forward, don't be surprised if when teams start focusing on him more that his stats don't look like a number one receiver stats. But what I'm hopeful for is that uh, Sheffield and Yassine and maybe Miller or Claire stepping up will sort of relieve some of that uh, pressure on Burks uh, and some of the coverage and allow him to have a little bit more space where maybe the defense is uh, rolling a safety over to his side. Um, and again, I think the other guys putting up numbers is going to help him uh, out as other defensive coordinators get more film. And yeah, just going back real quick to what you said about um, you know Max Clare is that what what really impressed me with the, the freshman tight end was that he was he was really good. We noted one of those like stick routes where he was like the safety valve there. And you know you if you give a guy like Hudson Card the time to scramble, extend that play, etc., and then just find a receiver who has a little bit of space. You can kind of trust him to put that dart directly into the numbers on his jersey. Um, and Max Clare had a few of those where he just did those stick routes. And then he also showed that like speed, and he's big and fast and long enough to where he can get that reach over um, you know, certain corners and, you know, we'll find out later, but certain safeties. And one of the things about Claire that really surprised me, especially this early on in the season, is like, oh, okay, there might be a really versatile tight end at the bottom of the roster while Garrett Miller is coming back and already expected to be a freaking menace. 
Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, uh, Miller back, but I, I feel like if uh, Miller and Claire, now they could go, Purdue could go to some more uh, two tight end uh, looks as well. And uh, that gives them a little, uh, at least insurance, um, if one of the rece- top receivers goes down uh, for any length of time, uh, they can maybe switch uh, formations uh, and go to some more uh, two tight end looks and still not lose a lot in the uh, passing game. Um, so just having Claire show out um, is great. Well, well, well and just real quick, I mean, like, I with where most of Purdue's offensive staff comes from and where a lot of these guys on the offensive, like the offensive starters in general, most of them come from that area in Texas where it's, like, really pass-heavy, and I would even like to see, like, some more 13 personnel where they throw in, like, three tight ends now that we know that there are a couple capable of, uh, you know, getting a possession reception, getting a streaking down the field reception. I, I think the sky's the limit for this offense once they find their rhythm. That being said, I mean, you know, whole new staff, it's going to take a minute, but the fact that there's some, uh, some continuity with all these Texas boys kind of makes me feel a little confident in how quickly they will figure it out. Yeah, and like you said, we can go to three tight ends. You saw the third tight end, uh, Drew Biber. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. You saw him on the field some. Um, I think he was targeted, didn't quite uh, uh, make the reception, but another 6'5", 245, he's a big dude. Um, so Purdue's got some, I think, some really uh, good solid red zone options uh, at, at least. Um, making up maybe a little bit for missing that number one uh, physical outside receiver um, is possible. Maybe you make up for not having the uh, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 215-pound uh, receiver on the outside. Um, you make up for that with Garrett Miller and... Uh, Max Clare and uh, Viber. So, yeah, I thought that was important. Now, I want to say the one thing, uh, the Purdue X-Factor, and he's sort of been the X-Factor in uh, the last two games, is Tyrone Tracy. Um, converted receiver. Converted receiver. I mean, I'll tell you what, this is what I expected out of him last year. Uh, and it just, it just, it was so uh, heavy with the primary receiver and the tight end that um, you just didn't really see anybody have any more uh, oxygen on that uh, squad. So uh, Tracy this year um, with uh, Purdue spreading the ball out a little bit more um, and actually using him uh, as uh, sort of advertised as the Swiss Army knife. Four carries, 51 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, that tw- he broke that 22-yarder. Uh, he had the longest run of the day. Um and uh, I like him used this way. is a really great changeup. I would say Maccabee's not the fastest guy. I'd say Maccabee's best skill is his slipperiness and his ability to break uh, tackles and sort of pick his way through traffic. Uh, where Tracy um, is the fastball. He hits the hole and he's gone. Um, I think he probably has the most finishing speed uh, producing the running back since uh, Raheem Mostert was terribly uh underutilized uh what seems like uh millennia ago you don't have any lingering feelings about that do you oh god 
I've yelled at the TV so often. Why is the fastest player in college football not getting the ball? It would seem like uh, that would be a good plan. And it has certainly uh, panned out in the uh, pros for uh, Mr. Mostert, who uh, I think was starting uh, for Miami yesterday. So, um, yeah, uh, Tyrone Tracy uh, had a kick return for a touchdown last week, broke a big run for a touchdown this week. Had four receptions or three receptions for fourteen yards. Um, you know, didn't really have any kick return opportunities uh, because uh, the Virginia Tech kicker was uh, putting him through the end zone. But um, man, that's a really great weapon. I see him more as uh, a compliment. Is I don't think his numbers necessarily improve the more you give him the ball. He's a guy that probably you just want to keep fresh and just have that explosion. Uh, maybe get him, you know, somewhere between eight to 10 touches a game via handoffs, uh, you know, swing passes, maybe a nice wheel route in the future, some kick returns and really have him uh, be that uh, explosive factor uh, that the offense uh, you could really use out of the backfield. A, a guy that can go get you seven uh, quick. Yeah, no, I, I think of him as, like you said, like a uh, bubble screen, uh, kind of like if you need six yards on third and six, like he's a guy who's going to get you there probably more likely than any other guy, but you do want to limit his touches. Exactly, exactly. Um, and again, and the guy, uh, I wish these Indianapolis kids would just go to Purdue to start with instead of venturing off to other Big Ten schools first and then having to uh, return home. I'm glad when they return back, uh, but uh, maybe we're learning some uh, good lessons, uh, recruits in the future. Just uh, maybe stick with the Boilermakers at first and don't go to Iowa or Penn State uh, where they don't know how to utilize you. Uh, but anyway, that was my uh, recruiting pitch for the day. Um, for all, I'm sure, the uh, eagerly listening uh, five-star uh, 16-year-olds to the Buds podcast. Yeah, 16-year-olds. If you're listening to a 28-year-old man and a 42, 42-year-old man? Oh, my God, Garrett, yes. Yeah, a 42-year-old man. Yeah. If you're listening to us talk about football 16-year-olds, please commit to Purdue. The yes. colors are cool. You'll get a cool engineering degree. I'm not good at math. That's why I was a journalism major. Um, but, you know, come to Purdue. It's cool, and Ryan Walter seems like a nice guy. Also, 16-year-olds, if you're listening to this, y'all, go touch some grass or something, because you're young. And Yeah, no, learn to pick up a guitar, play a piano, write, write a significant other a poem. Oh, God. All right, Garrett's going to start waxing uh, poetic. He is the most metal man in uh, Purdue blogging right now. Yeah, I'm a bass player in a very bad metal band. Bad isn't good. All right. Anyways, let's go ahead. We digress. Let's go ahead and wrap this up so we can uh, get working on Syracuse. We put a little uh, work in uh, the other night watching them uh, blow out Holy Cross. Uh, no, it was Colgate. Colgate. Oh, was it Colgate? Yeah, we sat through the entirety of Syracuse versus Colgate just thinking we would pick up some some feelers. And you know what? When you beat a team by that many points, you don't really learn too much about them. No, especially when we're watching it and not realizing it's a replay. But anyways, um, let's uh, let's talk about players of the game. Who do you got on defense? Who who is your uh, stud on defense? Uh, you know, I'm gonna go with. Should I say Mba? 
Mbana? Oh, you're gonna go. You're going with the defensive lineman making his uh, sort of disruptive debut. I'm, Shit, you can go for it. I got I got another guy in mind, but you can uh, give yours and I'll give mine. Well, I just like what I saw out of him. He he he, in the first game looked kind of reserved. He's kind of like finding his new home. Obviously, having just transferred from Auburn, and. I hate to say it, like, this sounds like an old-school football mentality of, like, just hit the guy, but, like, when he was kind of almost ejected for that not exactly roughing the passer, I was like, all right, he's got some fight in him. Yeah, no, I like what I saw out of him. Uh, and like you said, he hasn't played football that long, so he's got a really uh, he's got high, high ceiling. ceiling. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's French. I think he just came over and started playing in high school. Well, J- he, Juco, right? He So he played uh, for his first football team in France, but he's originally from Gabon. Um, ah. And Gabon is a west coastal African country. Um, in the crescent of uh, that area. I wanted geography be when I was in the seventh grade, if you can't tell. Um, but no, he came from there to France, played for a club team, and then Hutchinson Community College, that uh, community college in Kansas that pumps out a bunch of uh, transfers, picked him up because you can't ignore a guy who's six foot six and 325 pounds. Good Lord. I'm six foot six and 200 pounds on a good day. I don't eat enough. This guy is huge. He's got a motor. He only played 10 games at Auburn and was underutilized there, in my opinion. And I think he's going to be a very, very good player with a couple years left to play at Purdue. Yeah, that's the, really the key for him is he was a guy they picked up that has more than this one year of eligibility. I think he he may have two left. I'll have to look that up, but definitely one. Um, and then uh, I'm going to go with uh, Nick Gordon. Um Dylan Vienna, again, led the team in tackles, and I say his name really fast because I'm not exactly sure uh, if it's the I before E, E before I. Anyways, uh, he had uh, seven total tackles, uh, but Nick had three and a half tackles for loss, a sack, um, and, you know, with five total tackles, and that's what this defense is designed for, to get guys like Nick Scorton uh, into the backfield, creating havoc, stopping the running back before he gets started, getting after the quarterback um and uh they did a much better job of holding the edge for him uh today uh the uh last saturday. game yeah saturday Oof, geez. oh time uh, time is so hard yeah on saturday they did a better job of setting the edge for him they let him dive inside uh and they were wrapping t- uh the defensive ends around him some on pass rushing situations to better set the edge and man he was all over the place uh i looked it up three and a half tackles for loss um I think we've got to go back a long way before you get to Purdue guy that did that. I thought maybe Karloftis did it, but no, he had three as a freshman against Penn State, and that was his uh, peak. So, um, great game by Nick. Um, and, you know, he might be uh, flirting maybe with all Big Ten honors by the end of this season. Um, let's move over to the offense. Garrett, who would you like? Um, you know, with with Maccabee's first run and the fact that he just kept chugging along, I kind of want to give it to Maccabee. That said, I I might have to give it to Card. Card looked exactly what he was like, exactly like what he was supposed to look like in these tight games that could be one possession games and finish by seven points. You know, uh, just his ability to extend plays and the fact that some of these tight ends and receivers can 
lose corners and lose safeties and kind of get open and give Card like a modicum of a chance to to hit it in the numbers. Like I really liked what Card did. I thought he was exactly what we needed him to be um, in those sorts of close games, and hopefully we see more of that going forward. Yep, I'm going to have to be there too. Uh, I got Hudson Card as well. Um, really flipped the script on time of uh, possession. That A lot of that had to do with Card keeping plays alive on third down, finding guys at the sticks, moving around. Um, Purdue was 7-17, uh, third down efficiency. Uh, still not uh, where you want it to be, but much, much better than uh, last week. And uh, like you said, that's the guy Purdue needs him to be. Um, it'll help Purdue hold on the ball for 38 minutes. Uh, and didn't turn it over uh, in a sloppy field. Um, yeah, rainy game, gross field, where especially a, a guy who's known for being able to run could slip. Like, great, great work. Yeah, and uh, really, I didn't even see too many balls in jeopardy that he he you know, put up. So again, great job by Hudson Card. And we would also uh, be remiss if we didn't mention that was Ryan Walters' uh, first uh, college uh, head coaching victory. So good yeah, job. That, that's going to be a trivia question someday. Uh, where did uh, national championship winning head coach Ryan Walters win his first game? And that is Blacksburg. Virginia. I see. I think it will probably be something like, "How long was the rain delay in Ryan Walters' <laughs> Hall of Fame career? The first win of his Hall of Fame career?" Oh God, was it five hours twenty six minutes, or was it five hours thirty four? I host trivia as well, so like I'm the type of person who would be worrying about that sort of discrepancy. All right, hey man, I think it's time uh, to uh, take this on home. Um, look for us. Uh, we'll be up on uh, the uh, stream uh, on Tuesday, and uh, we'll be up back up on Friday, giving y'all a little Syracuse review. Uh, sneak preview: They are better than Colgate. Yeah, uh, a lot better than Colgate, as we learned the hard way. <laughs> All right, so that's uh, uh, Drew and Garrett signing off. Y'all be good. See y'all on uh, Friday. Well, they're up down south. Mm-hmm. <laughs>